Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Inspiring Psychologists, Breaking the Mould of Private Practice. I'm your host, Wendy Kendall, a psychologist and private practice coach. Today we're tackling a topic that's truly at the heart of what we do, the importance and power of building authentic relationships within our practices. This episode features a conversation with an inspiring trio of practitioners, organisational psychologist Taslim Tarani, clinical psychologist Dr Natalie Bodart and counselling psychologist Dr Vicky Yuana. Our discussion centres on their unique and innovative strategies for fostering meaningful relationships within their respective practices. They also share their insights on the loneliness and isolation often experienced in private practice, a microcosm of larger societal issues, and discuss the incredible therapeutic potential that lies in cultivating healthy, authentic connections. A key insight from today's conversation is that therapy at scale is not about digital mental health platforms, but human communities. Our guest, Dr. Vicky Yuana, shares the extraordinary story of her work within a therapeutic community and the ripple effect it had, offering not just individual healing, but intergenerational transformation as well. This episode is a testament to the power of connection and is bound to inspire whether you're a newcomer to private practice or a seasoned professional. So sit back, tune in and prepare to be inspired. Remember, you can join the conversation in our Inspiring Psychology Practices Facebook group and visit our website at inspiringpsych.com for more resources and information about our guest today. Now let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Inspiring Psychologist podcast, where we are breaking the mold of private practice. And I can't believe we're at episode 11 already. We have just one more episode left in this series. But this is a really fundamental topic that we're talking about today that affects um, or that reaches all areas of our practice, whether that's working with our clients, whether it's working with one another as colleagues and friends. Um, and, and that is about the um, what it takes to build authentic connections and the power of relationship building in private practice. And the reason why I wanted to um, speak to this topic or have a discussion around this topic is because it brings up so many um, critical elements when we're thinking about how we, you know, evolve and develop and grow our private practices. Um, I have a quote to start with, which is not my usual thing. This is from a book that I really love, which is called Creating Healing Circles Using the Internal Family Systems Model in Facilitating Groups. And that's by uh, Chris Burris, who is a licensed uh, marital family therapist and a senior trainer for the IFS Institute. Um, so, And he writes in this book, if the problems of the world are relational problems, then changing habitual ways of relating to allow room for creativity and imagination greatly enhances the potential for changing oppressive systems. And I love this quote because it really speaks to um, the transformative and the scalable aspect of relationships. You know, we often think about relationships as just being those one-to-ones. And in fact, it's the scale at which the work we do impacts more than just the people that we work with. So, you know, whether we're talking about isolation or lone and loneliness, um, whether we're touching on the impact of social media and how that is changing relationships, um, you know, thinking about therapy, coaching, moving into working with groups as psychologists, or maybe just um, building relationship and community within our private practices, the quality of our relationships is key. So I've invited three people who are absolutely 
stonking on this topic. They're three of my favorite people to speak to when it comes to the topic of relationships, intimate relationships, friends, work relationships, um, communities. And so I'd love to invite to the podcast Taslim Tarani, who is an organizational psychologist, Dr. Vicky Yuana, who is a counseling psychologist, and Dr. Natalie Boda, who we've spoken to earlier in this series, who is a clinical psychologist. And welcome to all of you. It's so great to see you. <laughs> Hi, Wendy. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> no Hi, problem. Hi. So, um, first things first, a little bit of intros. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Natalie. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? So not everyone may have listened to or heard the earlier podcast where you introduce yourself. So an, 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 an intro anew from you and what your practice is about, please. Yeah, sure. With pleasure. And thank you for having me back again. It's really nice to come and chat. Um, so I'm Dr. Natalie Bodart. I'm a clinical psychologist um, and founder at the Bodart Practice. So we are a holistic psychology practice um, based primarily in London, but we, we outreach world, worldwide. And we help people to deal with the past, to live in the present and to build the lives that they want through mind, body and community. And um, so we work with individuals and organisations and more widely than that as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. Um, and really based on this idea that mental health is, is more than mind alone. Yeah, love that. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Vicky, and I, I know that your website is itsdrvicky.co.uk. Yeah. Or is it just, am I correct with that? It's the website is Dr. Vicky, but on social media, it's, it's Dr. Vicky. <laughs> so I'm totally used to thinking about you as Dr. Vicky now. That's like your first name. <laughs> but Dr. Vicky, you want to uh, over to you for an intro, please. Um, hi, everyone. Hi, Wendy. And yeah, just lovely to be here. Um, I'm a counselling psychologist and um, I've been working in private practice solely now for about three years. Um have done lots of different things, um, worked in the NHS, I've worked in schools. And um, what I really found is, you know, my heartbeat basically is just helping people to relate better, and, you know, relating better to themselves and relating better to other people. So I offer couples therapy, I also do individual therapy. Um, I also do some coaching in corporate settings as well. And um, really, it's something that I can't really escape from. I don't think any of us can escape from, you know, the need to just be in relationship and to and to form meaningful connections. So that's really at the heart of the work that I do in whatever capacity. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Thank you for that. And over again, organizational psychs. In <laughs> <laughs> so over to you, Taslim. Uh, could you tell us, uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your practice? Thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful to be here. Um, I always find introductions actually really difficult. And I want to lead with that because, again, today's topic is about authentic connection. And I think... Um, I think, I don't know, I just wanted, it was helpful to me, I should say, to, to name that. So, um, and I always find it interesting with introductions that we tend to lead with our professional credentials. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I kind of want people to know more about who I, who I am beyond that. Um, and, and obviously with so many different things. And so it can be really hard to find a way to bring that in, in just a few sentences. So I'll give you my yeah. uh, professional um, piece, uh, which is I am an organizational psychologist. Most of my work is in training, facilitation and coaching. And I've been in, I don't know if you can call it private practice, but I've been self-employed since about 2010. So coming up to 13, 13 years. And I have found that relationships really some I love the way that you named it all Vicky and shared that relationships are absolutely the core of everything um, that I do and I don't think I would have survived this long in private practice or as a sole trader as someone working independently without having built really strong meaningful real relationships not only with my peers and colleagues and friends but also with my clients as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. I'm going to kind of open this up a bit because I really take your point, um, Taz, that, um, you know, th this kind of formulaic 
introduction style, which we do. I mean, it's one of the kind of social um, techniques that we kind of use that are a bit of a shorthand. And but I think you're right; they can tend to be. I know myself that the introduction is kind of the thing I want to get out of the way, whereas it's like the starting point of a relationship. So just to open this um, discussion up a little bit, and I'm going to, if it's all right, I'm going to start with Vicky. Could you give us some thoughts around why authentic connection and relationship building is important in your private practice and how you approach this topic? Mm, yeah well I think it's important for me if I'm just talking about myself as a as a holistically as an individual um it's important for me to not be an island and to not be isolated I thrive best in community I thrive best when I'm known by other people and when I feel like I belong <laughs> to people and they belong to me um if I can, if I can say that, not that we're objects. Um, so I think for me to bring my best self to my work with my clients, I need to also feel like I, I belong, I matter to, to a group of people. So I think that's why it's important. But also, I think it's important that I practice what I preach for my clients as well. And, and if so much of my work is about, you know, fostering great relationships, having community and, and putting yourself out there and being intentional about forming, you know, healthy relationships, I need to practice what I preach. And um, I can't just think that it's okay for me just to have relationships outside of work but not understand the, you know, the importance of having relationships in work as well. Um, so how do I go about doing that? I think I, yeah, interesting. I think I just try and form connections everywhere I go. And if, <laughs> and if I feel like, oh, this is, this is going to be a great person to have in my life. Like I almost don't give people an option. I'm just like, right. <laughs> you're going to be in my circle. You're going to be in my life somehow. <laughs> We're going to make this work. Um, so social media has been great for forming, you know, really great connections. Um, just meeting, just like Facebook groups and, and trying to meet other therapists, other psychologists and, um, yeah, joining forums. Um, so, yeah, I think I just kind of look out for any opportunity to meet people and to connect with people. And if anyone's offering, I'm, I'm taking it up. Um, I love that. so so yeah so I'm actually even though I'm in private practice and you know I, I work for myself but I'm also part of a collective of therapists called examined life and we kind of filtered through we came from the school of life um and we meet regularly every two weeks or so online or in person if we can and we just kind of have peer supervision we refer clients to each other as well and so it just helps to not feel so alone even though I am alone but I I feel like I'm connected in some way in my work um, yeah so. and I love that idea of of you having that kind of value of proactivity around connection because I can imagine that for, for people knowing that is like, you know, this is the invitation, that that, that must feel quite containing and secure for people, at least for some people, right? But <laughs> like you're open to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think for some people, I'm sure other people may feel like it's a bit, I don't know, intrusive. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. I think you know, when I feel like someone is intentionally trying to get to know me, that does feel great. It feels really yeah. um, affirming and validating. And I feel like, oh, OK, I yeah. really have something to offer this person as well. So, exactly. yeah, it kind of helps to boost my self-esteem. So I would hope that that's what I also give off um, to other people, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, to me, it kind of gives that message of um, self-worth as well. Like, I feel like I'm worth knowing. Therefore, mm. I'd like to connect with you because I feel like you're worth knowing as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. 
Um, Natalie, I'm going to come across to you. So why is authentic connection and relationship building important in your private practice and how do you approach this topic? Yeah, actually, I can really resonate, Vicky, with what you're saying about um, starting with yourself, actually, because I certainly, when I set up my private practice, which is probably nearly four years ago now, but it was very much about also what do I enjoy and, and how do I like to connect and and I guess the practices that, that we build are often sort of reflective of that about this idea of you know it's very difficult to be well it would be very difficult to be a sort of solo practitioner it, it wouldn't really I'd find that really difficult I'm definitely someone who wants to connect and likes building connections and being part of communities so I think that's a really interesting kind of place to start um, and I when I was thinking about this I was also thinking it almost feels like a bit of a sort of ripple effect where you know we know that a lot you know some of the core components of our therapy work is the therapeutic relationship in itself you know and um and for me, it was also about just the beginning. And you were mentioning about introductions, Wendy. And, and that's it. I put a lot of energy and thought into what do people first see or experience when they come to our practice? Do they see a warm, welcoming, clear website? You know, do they... It's really important that everyone has an inquiry call. So we do free inquiry calls. And part of that, of course, is information sharing. But a big part of that for me is about people to feeling welcome, feeling like we're just, you know, they're going to come and meet a human on the other end of all this. And that first introduction, you know, what how we welcome people, how we sort of say who we are, I think is really important. It's a big part of um, of that communication. And so, you know, I think from that point, you know, that's really important from a therapy point of view. But then as the practice has developed and as I have more associates and now employees that work with me, um, again, it's been thinking about not just kind of connecting and supporting each other on a professional level, but this idea that we come together as a team, that we have fun together, that we go for meals, we go bowling, that, you know, we connect on, a, like we, we're our whole selves. And I'd say that the most fun places or the best places I've ever worked are places where I felt like I can bring my whole self to work, that people get to know me, I get to know them, that it's a much kind of, this kind of holistic idea of, of what we do. We're not just psychologists kind of treating people, but, you know, we are, you know, we're working as humans together as well. And then spreading that outwards um, well, you'll know, Wendy, I, you know, I'm also a grabber of opportunities and I, you know, so we work with uh, charities and go and support them. Um, we're going, we're doing some festival workshops this summer, which I'm super excited about. Um, and I think it's just about this idea that you just never know when you're going to have a really enriching wonderful opportunity conversation and I know that making those connections isn't just good for business but it's also just good for me and good for this idea of mental health just being um, something that we do every day that we're helping and supporting people at every stage of wellness and, and bringing kind of our knowledge and expertise out into the world um, and into these conversations like I quite often do Instagram lives with people um, you know which are just conversations like this one and it's just an exchange it's like a two-way process really that everyone gets something from that and everyone can benefit and um yeah and, and so kind of I sort of see it as that sort of ripple effect of connection yeah and you know what I'm learning as I go through these conversations is that every time we have one of these discussions and these podcasts there's there's a kind of emerging theme that comes out that is always a little bit of a surprise to me or it, it kind of um it shifts my lens a little bit and the thing that you've really you both started to hint at here is how um you know that how important it is to to have a presence that is opening a connection to others just from a human point of view and how we can actually social media can be a channel for that presence you know whether it's your website as you mentioned Natalie whether it's social media as you mentioned Vicky that um you know social media gets a lot of bad rap often deservedly <laughs> um but actually it can still be a channel for this very fundamental need that we have as human beings to kind of transmit a sense of presence and an offer of connection and I'm that's something that's really important to me as well so I'm 
going to come back to this. Mm. Taslim, um, what about you? What's your kind of um, spin on why authentic connection and relationship building is important uh, in your private practice? I know in your introduction, you mentioned that without those relationships, you don't know that, you know, 13 years would have passed in your <laughs> private practice. It's been so supportive to you. So yeah. what's your take on it? I mean, I, I've really been reflecting on this because connection and relationships, I think, is just part of who I am. Like, it's so part of my strengths and um, what's important to me in my life that it's really hard to distill kind of why it's so important, almost because it comes, you know, it's like with our strengths, they just come so naturally to us. We, It's really hard to kind of distill that. But I think similar to what both Vicky and Natalie have shared, there's something about just seeing the impact and how transformative investing in relationships can be for myself, for the people that I invest in relationships with, for my clients, for my colleagues. Um, and also, um, yeah, I think that's it. I think it is, there's something about being in a space with somebody who can connect in a really authentic way, be really present, really listen, um, whether that is, like I say, with our clients or with our colleagues or with our friends, that that act in and of itself, I think, can be transformative. And so for me, I think that's one of the reasons why um, authentic connection and relationship building is has been so important. Um, I also am naturally an extrovert. And so I need people. I need to be surrounded by people. I need, similar to you, Vicky, that sense of community, that sense of belonging um, is, I, I don't know how to function. I almost don't know how to function without it. And so I think it is, yeah, it's absolutely core um, to, to me. And also it's been quite amazing as what opportunities have come through building those connections. So for for example, um, during the pandemic, I reached out to a colleague who I'd only met once before virtually. I'd never, I, I've, I've only met him in real life, I think more recently. And, um, and I kind of, I was in quite a tricky spot with um, a pro bono project that I'd been asked to work on. And I just needed some help and some input. So I said, hey, I know this guy on social media. He does loads of stuff on appreciative inquiry. Let me just um, reach out to him. And um, so we had a conversation. And then um, a few months later, he's like, Taz, I've got a great project that I think will be a great, great opportunity for um, for me, but also I could contribute so much to that project. And that has just started um, such a great working relationship uh, going forward. And so I, I, I I think that's I think that example just shows tells me why those relationships are just so key to my practice because I I don't know everything I can't I get stuck I need help and vice versa like the people that I work with I want them to know that I'm here to back them to be their cheerleader cheerleaders to be to be to really be there for them um and then your second part of the question which is how do I approach this topic um I, th I think there's two things. So one's definitely about kind of play, curiosity, allowing myself to be as myself as I can allow at any given moment or as is safe to allow in any given moment. But but the second thing I think is, is about self-awareness and practicing boundaries. I think we often talk about bringing our whole selves into spaces, but often those spaces aren't safe or for me anyway, to bring those whole, self, whole parts of me. So there is something in, um, and also sometimes there are parts of me that would be harmful to others. And so there's something for me around how can I bring a kind of skillfulness um, as well as really practice healthy boundaries while relating to um to to others as well whether that's again whether that's my clients my colleagues my friends um um kind of the broader communities that i'm part of yeah um so there's a few things that i'm kind of picking up on there um one is this the quality of the presence in a relationship um I think you mentioned about, you know, listening, um, curiosity, a sense of safety, transmitting a sense of safety. But there's a couple of other elements that I think everyone has alluded to now, which is 
opening ourselves up in relate like opening ourselves up in relationship is one of those things that makes us vulnerable right and if you've experienced relational violations wherever that's happened that vulnerability piece is like like really scary for some parts of us especially yeah um and yet it's the thing that opens up the door to connection essentially um and then and then it's like, well, all right, how are we negotiating these boundaries? And I know as psychologists, there are, I think, well, I've, maybe this is a question. Are there additional complexities that we need to bring to this topic of boundaries as well? I'm going to come back to you, if that's all right, Taz, because you picked mm -hmm. up on this topic of boundaries. What, what kind of additional aspects of boundaries do you think we need to think about in our private practices that might be and if if you want a moment to think yeah. I know that you're you're an yeah. incubating thinker person yeah. but but no I think I can respond um because boundaries work comes up all the time for myself with my professional relationships with my coaching clients with my organizational clients and they are really complex to navigate and I think I think there's something in just naming how difficult and how challenging boundaries are to navigate and so I think some of the things that um I'll just share from just my personal perspective in terms of what's really supported me is is the more aware I am of my needs and wants the more I'm able to name those boundaries and practice them and I think that's been a huge journey for me, especially given my um, background and cultural background, um, you know, just being able to know what my needs and wants are, to be able to know what those boundaries should, e should even be or what boundaries are going to be supportive um, has, been, has been really helpful. Um, I also think there's, so there's that kind of self-awareness piece. There's also something in who are the boundaries in service of and I feel for us as psychologists, that's really important. So one of the things that I do more of than I, I think other colleagues, especially in coaching or as a psychologist, is, is I do self-disclose. And I'm self whenever I self-disclose, I have to think about what, who is this in service of? Is it in service of me? Is it in service of the client? Is it in service of our relationship? And, and therefore choosing quite wisely when and how that self-disclosure comes through. And I'm not sure that others have to think about that so so clear, so specifically, I guess, in their in their practices. Um, and then the other thing I think, particularly when one's when one is in in private practice, is how do we guard our own time our own resources um and there are two different types of boundaries that Pia Melody I don't know if anyone's familiar with her work talks about she talks about protective boundaries and containment boundaries so there's a whole set of boundaries for me which is how do I practice and this can be very difficult for me because I'm an extrovert massively extroverted so I can very easily have no filter um so you know how do I protect others actually from kind of overspilling or oversharing or those kinds of things that um you know extroverts can be known for um that, that could potentially be harmful to others but also so those are the, those containment boundaries and often in our work I think that's what we're supporting our clients to learn how can we be the container for them so that they're able to start to learn how to contain um, um, that um, how, how to have their own containers and build more expansive containers and then the flip side of that is protective boundaries so how do I really guard my um, guard myself from uh, from what can kind of happen uh, when in private practice so for me especially working with organizational clients um, there's often a real sense of urgency things have, things have to happen yesterday um, I'm a one-man band often um, so it can be really difficult to meet those meet those demands and I think there's something in being really clear in communication to say um, you know I I absolutely want to do this for you this is when I can or this is where my availability is and and not right not kind of going down that pit hole of doing everything for everybody all of the time. Um, and then you're burnt out within within a few a few months of two or three different different projects running at the same time. Um, and I think that's also where authenticity for me comes in. 
because if I have really strong relationships with my colleagues that I'm working on or my project teams that I'm working on, we can then sh we can then share. We um we can say, you know, I've had a bereavement in my family. I'm just, can you guys just deal with this until I'm ready to come back? Or um, my kids, my kids really sick. I've got to take them to hospital. Or or not even that extreme. Just I'm having a really bad day. I can't think today. Would you mind leading the meeting instead of me leading the meeting? So I think it just helps in terms of naming naming our wants and needs. Um, yeah, that's kind of what comes yeah. to mind. I could probably yeah. go on that. <laughs> I, I wish we could sit and, and listen for hours. I'm going to have to connect with you over that and get get more into the kind of depths and the nitty gritty. Maybe we need a whole episode next season about boundaries. Uh, but I love that. That really um, put some light bulbs on for me about protective boundaries and containment boundaries um, and the way in which they're kind of uh, the kind of the direction in which the filter is working. Um, and in service to whom? Vicky, I'm going to come across to you because I, because you mentioned enjoying connecting with people. And also, um, I know that you're quite active in social media as well. And I guess as, you know, as a psychologist who really specializes in the quality of relationships in your practice, this topic of boundaries must come up a lot. So what's your take on all of that? Um, I don't even know if I have anything to add. I was just so mesmerised listening to you, Taslim, because <laughs> I was just like, you know, everything you were saying, I was like, yeah, 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 like mental checklist. Like I really, I think you were just spot on with everything and I think everything just really resonated with me and I really like that protective versus containment boundaries. I'm going to steal that from you, but I will reference you. Um, I think that's great. I haven't heard it, you know, you know, quite explained just like that. So, yeah, I don't even know if I have anything else to add. I think, you know, kind of Tazin just just kind of, yeah, just summarised it so succinctly. Um, boundaries How do you see that shape up on social media? I know oh, that, you yeah. know, because I know, I know that you TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've had a conversation about, um, you know, you, you enjoying that platform and so on. And yeah. in the, there's been things in the media and, you know, on places like LinkedIn about how a lot of people are getting information about mental health type topics from social media. Um, it's a place where we can connect with, where we can really scale up connections and yet and then we've got all these complexities around boundaries on top of that so do you what's been your experience of negotiating some of that with social media yes i actually did a tiktok post on this all right <laughs> awesome we'll have to link to it in the show notes um, and it was it was about vulnerability really and how you know um we've kind of seen the the pendulum kind of shift um from seeing vulnerability as a weakness to now seeing vulnerability as a strength and but but that also kind of looking like people just sharing everything and just exposing themselves actually um and you know vulnerability and sharing is important but it's important that we do it with some parameters and it's important that we 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 bear all or we bear more parts of ourselves to people that we can trust and who we we know their intentions are good. Um, we know we can be safe in sharing with them. But kind of bearing all, um, and I think some people kind of share because they want to um, sometimes elicit sympathy, they want to feel understood, they want to feel validated, and all of those things are not bad, but it's just, okay, what is the purpose of what I'm what I'm sharing, what am I trying to elicit? And is this the audience to, to get that from? Um, and sometimes we may need to share things or be vulnerable when we are not in the in the throes of the, the situation that we're in. And sometimes it may be, you know, when we've passed it a little bit and we're kind of looking back and retrospectively reflecting and thinking, gosh, this is what I learned. But, you know, sometimes people can share when they're in the midst of something that's really difficult and it's okay to do that, but sometimes it can feel unsafe because there isn't that parameter of, you know, a safe, a safe holding relationship. Um, it's a line that I think I'm constantly having to juggle as a, as a, as a psychologist, because, you know, I was, 
raised um, and taught to be, you know, to hold back as a psychologist. Um, when I think about my psychodynamic training, it's good for people to project things onto you. So you don't want to be in their face about what's going on for you and who you are as an individual, because you want to allow the projections to do the work. You know, you need to be who that person needs you to be at that you know, point in time. But that's not me. It is me and it's not me. And I think I'm constantly having to do this dance between sharing who I am, but not sharing all of me. Um, because I know that it's not going to be beneficial to the people that I'm working with. Um, it's not going to be beneficial to me. So yeah, it's a constant dance. Um, but there are some things that we do share. I mean, if I were to have a, a wedding band on my finger, you'd know that I was married. So you'd already have that assumption about me. Um, in the way that I talk, you know, you would see that hopefully I'm like a, an open, bubbly person. So there are things that we can share about ourselves without having to actually go <laughs> deep in like, oh, this is what my family structure looks like. And this is what our Christmas looked like last year. You know, this is the drama that unfolded, you know. Um, yeah. So it's a constant dance. Um and having to constantly monitor those boundaries and why am I sharing? What's the purpose of this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, I think I really resonate with what you said there about, um, I think, personally being raised to um, to kind of not necessarily share a lot. Um, I know that... Um, my you know my grandmother was my hero this is a sharing thing but my grandmother was my hero and um her but her words when you said that the words that came to me were exactly what she would say which was keep your own counsel like be a counselor for yourself you know don't just necessarily be out there sharing everything and so we pick up a lot of these messages which are then sometimes at odds with um with then the kind of cultural um with the evolution of culture around us. Can I, I, know, I know we haven't heard from Natalie yet, but can I just come in on this point? Um, yeah. I think it's such an important one, especially for us as psychologists, in terms of whose boundaries are we practising? Because in different yeah. cultures, we have different norms when it comes to boundaries. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I know um, one of the things that we were thinking about talking about is... Um, I guess, what myths do we want to deconstruct or what mo models do we mm. want to challenge? I think that I think that this is one of them, you know, who I, I hear you in terms of coming from a psychodynamic background, the, um, a very, the very traditional psychodynamic background um, is that we 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 give up we're we're, in, we're a vessel for people to share their projections and kind of work through um, their their relational process that is with us. And at the same time, I have, um, I just wonder whether there are ways in which we can do that that also allows for a slightly, um, slightly different, different boundaries. And I think it can be kind of building on what you were saying, Vicky, about what we do share. It could even simply be in how our room is set up. So I know when I've, um, you know, like when people walk in, uh, is is the therapist chair there and my chair here? And actually, in some cultures, we're used to being much closer together, or we're used to sitting on the floor. So I just wonder whether there are ways in which we can challenge the boundaries that we've been brought up in, um, so that we can still still have those boundaries in place because doing no harm is so important, and ensuring that we're everything we're doing is in the service of our clients and patients, and can those boundaries sometimes in and of themselves be harmful because maybe that is that's it's repeating um kind of patterns or patterns within border systems that have um that have been very difficult um for people so yeah so i just wanted to throw throw that in there in terms of uh, I'm, I'm quite up for challenging uh, professional boundaries as well um because i think they come from a certain a certain set of norms that are very yeah yeah and very anthrocentric in the sense that one of the challenges that we have in our global economic system and the way in which our businesses are shaped often is about this narrative of separation 
as opposed to a, na a narrative of connection and, you know, being connected not just with other people, but also with the living world around us. That's one of the, so I love that idea that actually we can communicate different relationships through the way that we think about how we set up things that are not just about the words or the things that we do. Natalie, I know you must be like bouncing and wanting to say something here <laughs> because because um, community <laughs> and shaping relationships with community and, and the place of your practice within communities is like, I remember it's such a very important part of what you do. So I just want to bring you in at this point. Yeah, it's so funny. I was really listening with so much fascination. You know, I'm always very intrigued on this topic because I think it's this thorny topic of boundaries, you know, and um, you know, and I think it's some, something to do with the tradition of psychology, actually. I think there's a kind of historical, you know, a bit like, Vicky, what you were saying about this kind of more analytic way of looking at boundaries, which you can understand that perspective. Also sort of coming out of a sort of medicalised sort of model, really, of kind of doctor-patient, power dynamic. Um but I just don't think it fits modern psychology and I don't think it fits the modern world. Like, it's just not. And yeah, certainly for me, I've had some fascinating conversations around boundaries. I personally think about this a lot because um, my practice is within my community. I see people here in this room. This is part of my home. Um, you know, I might see people at school who have their children at the same school as me. Um, no, you know, it's no um, secret about my heavy CrossFit involvement. I have lots of connections there, um, charities. So people get to know me in all the different walks of my life. And and I think that's all right. And But I think it's different for everybody. And I think it's something about having a sense of boundaries as, as a more fluid concept. So this idea mm -hmm. that absolutely we have um, considerations around what's ethically right, what safety for the people that we see and that's not the same for everyone so I've had conversations with some of my clients about my social media presence and being very open and some of them have said to me I just don't want to see you there and I'm like that is fine you absolutely don't need to see me there um, and that's a choice for both of us to make that there's something about it's not just about my my imposition of the boundaries. It's also a choice that we co-create together. So um, on our website, for example, some of our team members share a little bit about their, uh, what they enjoy outside of work, you know, whether they are, love kind of walking or Korean films. or And then other members of the team have said, you know what, I'm just not really comfortable with sharing that. And I'm like, you know what, that's absolutely fine. That is your choice. You know, your boundaries are also yours to negotiate. And I'm not going to dictate to you what those boundaries should or shouldn't be. I trust your practice and the choices that you make within that. Um, and so I think it's it's an interesting conversation. And I was talking to someone recently um, who wanted to come and work with the practice. And she was saying, oh, I, I work all the way over the other side of London because I'm quite worried about, you know, having clients in the unity. So we had a really interesting conversation about that and what it's like for people to see us, you know, um, having a stressful time with the children in Tesco. But it's just such a normal part of everyday life, isn't it? And I think maybe there's something quite healthy about seeing us having that struggle, figuring it out, knowing that, you know, we are also kind of imperfect. And, and, um, and I guess that's something that we have to decide. And recently, I was thinking about an example. So um, obviously, it was Mental Health Awareness Week um, just recently. And so I decided I was going to do a whole bunch of lives on my um, Instagram and I thought you know what rather than me deciding on all of this I'm just going to put a call out so I just put a call out on, on Instagram and I said if anyone wants to come and talk to me about mental health awareness week just get in touch I'm really happy to have a conversation um, and so yeah so I ended up chatting to a massage therapist about it somebody got in touch that wanted to talk to me about their lived experience of mental health and I just love that and I thought isn't it nice just to put that out there actually and, and to not feel like we have to be the ones in, in the deciding chair in the expert chair mm -hmm. that 
that, that that is very much like a process that we can engage with um, with other people as well. Um, and going to the festivals is such an interesting festivals for me now. Um, this is the first summer. And I'm like, oh, what's it going to be like going to a festival with my colleagues? That's an interesting one. Uh, who am I going to meet? I've been invited onto this transcendental healing panel. Very fascinated about what that's going to be like. And so I think we're always up against these new these new contexts where we're always renegotiating boundaries we're always thinking about where we sit within that so um yes it's a fascinating topic to me yeah and you know what all of you have described there really makes me think about this topic of moving towards more regenerative models within private practice and a very key concept within the regenerative business movement and not just business but thinking about how we change our way of life to be more regenerative is one of the key concepts is this idea of being connected with place and so connected with our local community connected with uh, the environment around us literally to have almost our hands in the earth and you know to be to be part of the place that we live. And I think that's so interesting in the context of the history of psychology as a profession and the way in which a lot of practice has happened, you know, whether it's come from somehow that medicalized model. But when I think about a lot of GPs, um, you know, even in my lifetime, our GP was a local member of the community. So, but, um, you know, coming back to this thing of um, as psychologists, not being present in the community in everyday life. Because as you mentioned, Natalie, I've also heard of people who are like, you know, I don't want to be um, in the, I don't want to be based in the place where I'm practicing because of, you know, the whole confidentiality thing. And that might not be... Um, possible for everyone but I know that it's been a concern it's been a you know a facet of private practice that has been talked about this this sense of being separate and 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 so on so yeah I just uh, what you've been talking about really brings to mind again how important the renegotiation of relationships within the scope of private practice I mean coming back to Chris Burris's um, quote you know he talks about the quality of our relationship enhancing the potential for changing oppressive systems and so yeah and that's all really heady stuff really kind of big picture um, stuff but I'm just thinking what are your thoughts about, you know, this this breaking the mold when it comes to authentic connection and relationship building and, you know, the myths that we need to deconstruct and the things that we would say are, you know, pillars of how we practice? Are there, are there areas where we need to change our ideas about that? And I'm going to come across to Vicky again, if that's all right, and just, you know, ask you about that. I mean, you mentioned being part of several kind of professional communities as well. And um, yeah, so what's your take on this, this renegotiation of relationships and community and connection um, mm. and whether any of that needs to change within psychology? Yeah, I think... Um... I think so. I think I agree with Natalie, actually, that um, it, it does need to change. And we we can't fit ourselves in a particular box. You know, we can't group people and say, this is how this is who you should be. This is how you should behave. And I think the same can be true of our of our of our practices as well that we can break out of the constraints and say, actually, no, we're going to do things in a different way. And I, and I really love, Natalie, hearing you talk about being your involvement in charities and, and being immersed in the community that you're working with. Um, and I love that. I mean, I don't know if this is going to answer your question completely, Wendy, but it, 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 did, it did bring me back to my early training days when I worked in a therapeutic community. And I absolutely loved it because there was this flattening of the hierarchy between patient and and we called them patients but patient and therapist 
and we we cooked together we went shopping food shopping together we did the chores around this beautiful old victorian house that we that we were in and there was a sense of we're doing things differently we're doing things for the betterment of this community and we're doing things we're making decisions for what this community needs at this point in time and i really like that and i would love to find some way of getting back to that now um so but in terms of just um relating to other people in private practice i love the i love that you know just that flexibility to to engage with people who aren't necessarily therapists um and because there's so much that we can learn from each other um so so yeah i just yes i'm not really sure if i'm answering the question but i was just really struck by natalie it's probably a very long question to be fair (laughs) i tend to (laughs) (laughs) yes but yeah i do think it is important that we move out of this box and and we and i really like the concept of it being fluid and taslim said you know just yeah challenging some of these um yeah these practices and these these ways of doing things and and yeah renegotiate and be fluid with it that description of a therapeutic community and i really there was something um soul driven from that question of you know why why are we not doing more of that (laughs) you know i love that description that we're um working with people to resource people in their communities to help a healing process that mm. that starts and and involves people but inevitably you know very quickly ripples outwards uh, that would seem that seems like you know I, I go about I go on about this on LinkedIn a little bit but when I think about the amount of investment and money that gets poured into apps, to do one-to-one therapy and usually it's something like an AI chatbot so that you no longer have to go and see a therapist you can just interact with a a chatbot and that allegedly is the scaled up version of therapy but what you described there to me Vicky is the scaled up version of therapy because that's us working together to resource individuals within their communities so that community takes over from the therapist, right? Exactly, exactly. And one of, you know, um, when people would leave the community of the therapeutic community, they were there for 18 months, they would leave and they would, um, they'd give like a review and a summary and and they'd talk about their relationships with every single person. You'd go around and you'd talk about the difficult stages of the relationships including the difficult stages exactly yes and with clients and i'll never forget one um client said this has been so transformative not for me but for my children and you do not know how much this has impacted not us the therapists but the community how much we had impacted her children's lives because of her feeling grounded within a community and working through all the messiness of belonging and disagreements and and all of that and um coming to a place of her having a better understanding of herself self-worth and knowing that's going to have a ripple effect on on the generations after her so yeah it's i'm so passionate about it so yeah well i I was just going to say let's put a call out to any investors who are listening to this (laughs) podcast who want to come and you know work with vicky to get those therapeutic communities (laughs) re-established and and frankly with with taz and natalie as well because i think this is where it's at right if we want to make some big shifts actually resourcing um psychologists therapists to do that kind of scalable work on the on on this fundamental kind of relationship and community building is where it's at we really want to move the needle um coming over to you Taz I could see you were yeah like, I know I'm like bubbling away um goodness uh Vicky I'm just uh, I, I'm noticing a little bit of envy actually I, I would have loved <laughs> to experience that um and and although I'm a, I'm a coach, I, I do have a background in counselling. Um, I never went on to formally qualify as a counsellor, but I just just hearing the richness of those experiences and the impact and how transformative it can be. Um, it's 
yeah, it's kind of lit a fire in my belly as well. And um, so, yeah, thank you. I, I think I think there's two things that are coming up for me. Um, one, which is how do we scale this and how do we bring this back into the community? And um, there's someone, I'm going to read his name because I, I want to get it right, um, called Dixon Chibanda. He's a, um, I think he's a, he's either a psychologist or psychiatrist, I can never remember which one, from Zimbabwe. And he's introduced something called the Friendship Bench, which is now going global. So I would definitely have a look at it. And what he noticed is that within these communities um, in Zimbabwe, um, there were all these um, elders of the community who were really respected and over the years have um, um, have got a lot of wisdom and a lot of um, kind of a lot of time as well now to sh- to share and um, and he's just recently um, so he what he did is he he trained them all up in basic counselling skills and um, created these friendship benches where these elders of the community could offer some basic therapeutic support to members of the community out in in the community on the earth on the benches um and it's become it's 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 a it's he talks about it as a way to really scale um what we what we can do and what we can offer um and i would yes have a google of the friendship bench and it's been so effective that um you know i think i think they're starting to create this in new york and in it's kind of coming over into the west into the western world um but i was so moved um when i heard him speak about, about this because it's it's it feels like it's doing kind of everything that you've been talking about there wendy wendy and vicky and natalie um so that's one thing and then the other thing it's actually something that scares me a lot um is this move towards digital because i'm in a space where i've really isolated myself during the pan during the pandemic and i feel really recharged after spending five weeks with family and family and friends um in the us and canada and thinking about regenerative practice um there's something about like you say connected with place being in the local community and the and existing within the environments around us um and i think taking our work into those spaces is so is so important and that's part of me that thinks we're going to be even more needed as this digital um kind of approach moves forward and that's not to say that the digital doesn't have a space like i know people who can't leave the four walls of their flats or their apartments or their homes. And so having a digital offering is so valuable, um, you know. So I, I, I think that it's, I think there's space for all of it. Um, but I, I feel that, I do feel that quite strongly. Um, I was going to say one more thing, but I've forgotten. But yeah, that's kind of where we'll come I'm... back to it. <laughs> yeah. So I want to... Um... I mean, this has just been such a rich discussion, but I also want to think about kind of hopes for the future. And, um, you know, coming to you, Natalie, when you think about the future and, you know, given some of the things we've talked about um, today, what are your hopes for the future around authentic connection and relationship building, both in private practice and through private practice as well Mm. yeah I think um I think it's an interesting journey that we go on as psychologists and I I think what's quite unhelpful certainly from a sometimes in the clinical psychology arena is that we can start off in quite a competitive environment so um there's quite a lot of competition to get onto the the clinical psychology courses as people may know Um, and I think unfortunately that sets up something not very helpful between us as psychologists often. And so, um, Mm. you know, I'm part of some different networks um, and it's interesting to see the dynamics that, I mean, dynamics play out on all forums and networks, right? But, and I often think, and we were talking a bit earlier, I mentioned earlier about some of the history and traditions of psychology. And I think it's, it's a bit like anything that's intergenerational. There's a bit of kind of unpicking and re-stitching that almost sort of has to go on. But it takes time, doesn't it? It takes quite a long time. And I think one of the things that I would love is that it's definitely more of um, 
a place of kind of allyship where we see each other as resources, as allies, as supporters of each other. This idea of um, kind of a business speak, I guess, Wendy, I probably got it from you maybe at some point, but this spirit of abundance rather than scarcity. And that's almost like a mantra that I've had at times, like when I've got very worried mm. about the practice, you know, you can get into this very sort of scarcity you know mindset where you know then you get very private and kind of grasping whereas actually there's something very much about this idea of, of allies and abundance and actually connection but I think for me what's been really powerful and what I'd quite like to hope for other people if it fits for them is this idea of just creativity so breaking through what we may you know I think our training is amazing and I think we come out with so many amazing skills and great knowledge and I think then it's finding a confidence and a groundedness in that enough to then go off and explore and be really curious I mean obviously we do in our practice lots of holistic work yoga nutrition mindfulness and I love that because it's almost like you can kind of go out into the world and explore and have these different connections and some will work really well and others won't work so well and almost this idea of allowing people to explore creativity and that's not a threat it's not a threat to your grounded practice it's not a threat to your identity or your practice and in fact it can only really be an enriching process so I think I think those are some of the things I'd, I'd really hope that it can be a place of creativity of expansiveness of opportunity of allyship you know I'd love all of those things to be um, you know the places that we can grow into as psychologists really in our private practices yeah I'm I'm signing up for that. I love that vision of the future. Uh, Vicky, and coming to you, what are hope what are your hopes for the future around this topic of authentic connection and relationship building? I think I'm just hoping to expand on it and just to to get out there. I mean, I've spent a few years kind of working from home and in my home office and and I'm I'm now like enough is enough. I need to be out there. I need to put my feet in, on the ground and be immersed in the community that I'm working with. So I'm hoping to do that in the coming months. Um, and just to continue meeting other like-minded people, but different people also. Um, I think it's really important to have a network if someone comes my way. And I think, actually, I think you'll be better served by someone else. I've got someone in mind who I think will be great for you. I love to be able to do that. And I really benefited from people being able to do that and, and send people my way as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's just to deepen connections, increase connections in my network and, yeah, hopefully get back to having face-to-face -face connections and relationships with people again in the coming months. Awesome. Thank you. And coming to you, Taz, as well, for what are your hopes for the future around authentic connection and relationship building? I'm so I'm sitting here actually just really moved by what you've both shared, but um, especially Natalie, in terms of this being able to be creative and that not mean that we're moving away from the grounding that we've had within psychology. And that's a tension that I think that I've experienced and continue to experience. And I was doing um, a coaching course towards the end of last year on uh, in an area that I'm probably not going to name because I still have that fear that actually that's a bit, um, it's, not psych it's not grounded enough in psychology. And, but, but within that, they talked about... Um, where the etymology of psychology what the etymology of psychology is and actually the psyche um i think in ancient greek is the word for soul so psychology is actually the study of the soul and i feel that with the way that psychology has developed over the last 100 years we've moved away from that or i feel that my training and my background and the fears that i have about putting myself out there which still exist and, and my main fears of judgment are coming from within psychology not outside of psychology um and so that's my hope i think i got really excited with natalie everything you were sharing if that if that ends up being our future that would be wonderful and within that i would love to find to bring back that soulness to the profession um, so that we can just feel more connected to each other, to the earth, to the world. Um, yeah, so that's... Yeah, 
Fantastic. And I'm going to just come across to you um, in terms of uh, where we can find you. So, Taz, you were just speaking. Where can we find you? At the moment, only on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yes. (laughs) I know that you're putting a lovely website together at the moment. So that will be coming down the line. But for the time being, we can find you on LinkedIn. Fabulous. Uh, And Vicky, where can we find you? I must join TikTok just so that I can watch you, Vicky. <laughs> um, so you can find me on my website, um, drvicky.co.uk, and it's it's Dr. Vicky on Instagram and Twitter. Um, no, not Twitter, TikTok, and then I'm kind of present on LinkedIn a little bit as well. Yeah, awesome. And uh, last but not least, Natalie, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm going to find you, Vicky. I had a lot of big talk about tiktok but it never got beyond the big talk so i'm gonna i'm gonna come and see see what you're up to on there um um, yeah so you can find um, so we are uh, the bodart practice.co.uk that's our website i am uh, dr natalie bodart on linkedin and instagram um and i think it goes across to facebook on the bodart practice as well so you can you can find us there soon to be exploring tiktok maybe (laughs) I don't know. I might leave Vicky for that one. (laughs) Thanks so much for this wonderfully rich discussion um, today. I love the. I love seeing you all connect as well, and I'm sure the conversations will carry on between you offline. Um, And thanks to all of our listeners today. Um, Next week we're going to be talking about. Um, practices that are going beyond or deconstructing the extractive model. So all of what we've been talking about today, about this story of separation, this story of competition, this story of um, needing to be um, separate and disconnected from and um, in a different power relationship with communities around us and so on. We're going even more in depth into in that podcast next week as well. And that will be our final podcast of this season. But nevertheless, thanks so much to all of you for this wonderful discussion this um, in this podcast about authentic connections and relationship building in private practice. And um, yeah, I will look forward to seeing you in the in the next podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Wendy. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. I'd love to hear what you think about the Inspiring Psychologist podcast. So please take a moment to leave a review and give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It makes a massive difference in helping us to reach new audiences. If, like me, you're feeling inspired and moved by the private practice stories in our podcasts, please spread the word across your own networks. And why not encourage your colleagues and friends to listen to the podcast too? To make sure you don't miss out on future episodes, please be sure to subscribe to the Inspiring Psychologist podcast. You can find out more about all my guests from Series 1 at our website, inspiringpsych.com. That's inspiringpsych.com.